one. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, and as my close personal friend, Slim Shady himself, Eminem, has said, I'm back! I'm back. Uh, guys, I gotta tell you, I went back and forth between what I'm back soundbite slash tune to go with. Like, I could have gone pro wrestling and done a little bit of... You know, the Eric Bischoff theme song. And yet, I was like, I'll, I'll call up my buddy. I'll call up my buddy Marshall and see what he's got for me. And, and he had he had this track for me that he wrote just for me, even though it was like 20 years ago. And we put it on the show. And so, yes, I am back. I am back from vacation. It has been two weeks. I think I did like, I was gone for a show, did a show, was gone for two more shows. And, and yeah, so I'm here, still no David Ungar, as he is recovering from his trip to Orlando, where he complained about the heat after vacationing in Florida in June. And so I'm not quite sure what he expected when he would put on all of his social media statuses, it's so hot and humid. I'm like, it sounds like you're 
somebody who made the decision to vacation in Orlando in June. So, got nothing for him there. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com, always use your head. And while there is no David Ungar here, I do have a full bandwagon here available though one keeps fading in and out of his damn chair can't sit still he's so excited so we'll talk to some of the other people we brought on the band i hear you i hear you but i'm going to introduce other people first i'm going to introduce i'm I'm doing it i'm going to introduce a guy i haven't podcasted with now i hope he stays for the whole podcast today because the last time he was on the podcast he had to leave early unfortunately and then the last time I was on the podcast, then there was a time where I was on the podcast at the same time he was, and I had to leave early, so like life kept messing everything up. But the Reverend Ray Cash himself here on Bandwagon Nerds, welcome back, Ray Cash. And I'm in such a good mood today that everybody gets claps. Won't be for long. Welcome back, sir. It won't be for long, trust me. I just feel like... She like we're gonna fight? Things work on this show. <laughs> but I'm relaxed. I am relaxed. I am vacationed up. I went to the beach. I went to my first ever ball game at Fenway Park. Watched the Cardinals the lose way, to the Red Sox. Don't bury the lead. You had like, like I did. I saw I saw myself on on television. Yes, I uh, got the uh, so. Well, we'll talk about that in a second because we're we're gonna the first section is just POD is back and, and so we'll do that. Let me let me introduce everybody else first. Another guy who has okay, been it is, good to see it is it's great to see you guys you, you as well. Another guy I'm excited to have on the show at the same time as, as me, the voice of Chairshot Radio, his special lady friend just told you about the Chairshot.com and to always use your head. The voice, the man himself, Christopher Platt. First Father's Day in the books. Welcome back to the bandwagon. And thank you for keeping the bandwagon going in my multiple absences. Well, greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. And thanks for having me. Um, Pat, I think the correct terminology for Amber is no longer a special lady friend. I believe it's baby mama, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think that's the uh, proper vernacular. you son of a bitch. <laughs> Stick, Stick with the first one. So, so here's where, but you know where special. Now, do you know where special lady friend comes from? Because it's a pop culture reference. Is that uh, is that uh, the ladies' man? No, it's Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, when uh, he get he gets uh, tailed home from Monza, he's talking. He keeps talking about stop following my special lady friend, uh, and so that's that's where they came from. Everything, I I have no original content. I am just like I'm just like filmmakers, right? Like I got nothing that's my own, and I'm willing to own that. Yeah, that's right. Can I tell Platt by the way? I appreciate that he he takes his own advice because he used his head. Yeah, that's good. Well done. Hold on, and and like I said, it's, uh, I baby it flat. to its uh, purposes. There you go. Well, and and here, by the way, I haven't seen you uh, again. It's it's been a hot minute. So welcome back to the show. And let's get to our last member of the bandwagon this week, Mister Saturday Night himself, my good friend on the five by five. You see Tony. Hi. Oh, 
Wow. Are we, we going to start playing Pantera? I thought for sure. I thought for sure I was going to get a boo there. Uh, no, no, no boos today. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> we will. We'll see what we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, yes. Yeah. So Ray, you you got into this uh, at the beginning when you were talking about my vacation. Yes, my vacation started a couple weeks ago. Uh, I went to so the St. Louis Cardinals were in town for the for the Boston Red Sox. And I really, like, I haven't seen a, a live baseball game in over a decade. And haven't, and, and that includes, like, my own team. Like, I haven't seen, I haven't been to a Cardinal game in, in any way, shape, or form since, God, I think before I moved out to New England. It was shortly after I, like, kind of had my own income and was able to buy stuff myself. And so I bought, like, third baseline tickets to watch the Cardinals get smoked by Tim Lincecum and the San Francisco Giants back when he was at the height of his powers. Like I think I think he carried a no hitter into the eighth or something. Like it was it was ridiculous. It was he it was brutal. Broke something for the game too. He probably did and more power to him because when you can throw nine hundred miles an hour for three seasons, like you get paid and you get all the weed you want. So yeah, so I was um, I was trying to get somebody to go with me. I had a friend who was a big Red Sox fan, and I really wanted him to go too because I thought, oh, hey, it'd be fun. The Red Sox fan and the Cardinal fans sit next to each other in the stands, like we could have whatever. Uh, and he was really wishy-washy about like going to the game. Kept being like, well, I'm on vacation that week too. Let me talk to my girlfriend. I think we'll be back and be able to do stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I keep bugging him. I keep bugging him, and finally, you, you just you know when a guy's gonna flake and just not do it. And so one day, instead of being like, hey, man, do you want to do this? I, I just looked at him and be like, you're, you're not going to this baseball game with me, are you? And he's like, probably not, dude. So I was like, okay. So I called another friend of mine who is kind of just game for anything. I was like, hey, let's do this. And I was like, can you recommend any secondary market site better than StubHub or SeatGeek? Because those places, like the markups are ridiculous. And he was like... Why is, is like the game sold out or something? You know, it's a Friday. I don't know. I was like, no, it's not sold out. I just, if you usually know how to find deals. And he was like, no, no, there's good seats. And he shows me all these seats that are like 200 bucks. He's like, Wrigley, or not Wrigley. He's like, Fenway is one of those where you want to get good seats because the outfield seats suck. They're like small wooden chairs because they were made back in the 20s. And just, just trust me on this. So after going back and forth, I got permission from the Mrs. O'Dowd to drop around 500 bucks, and we got seats that were directly behind home plate, first row after the three rows of VIP seats. Best seats I've ever had in my entire life for a baseball game. Cardinals lost, uh, but I was okay with it. I didn't care. Like I just wanted the experience of going to live, see live baseball. It was a lot of fun, and to be that close to a game was crazy. I had all these friends sending me pictures from Nesson of me uh, in my powder blue Cardinal Stam usual jersey watching the game. Uh, I got to see Nolan Gorman go yard and it was the Friday game and so it was one where the Red Sox were up like six to one and going into the ninth and the Cardinals scored like three or four runs and had Goldschmidt up with two outs and an opportunity to like tire take the lead and then Goldschmidt struck out looking, and it was like, boy, it would have been nice had the offense showed up before then. You uh, you went to the wrong game that weekend, didn't you? I did. 
I did. No, we only we only won the with uh, Boston took two or three. Boston won the finale too. But Saturday, which was the other opportunity that I could have looked at into going, they, like they did. They something. beat the they beat the hell out of them. Pujols played. Uh, it was like at, like the Ulster. And here's the other thing: I'm a big Neil Diamond fan. So and in the eighth, he showed up in the he showed up. Yes. Fifteen years too. He showed up that Saturday. He showed up that Saturday, and I'm sitting there, and I was just like, "God damn it!" Who picked the wrong game? Ba ba ba. You did. You did. But I mean, here's the thing: nobody knew that was gonna happen. Right. And here, and knowing Neil Diamond, he's suffering from Parkinson's disease. Like he's he is not. In the best of shape, uh, so it was a, it was a huge moment. I would have loved to have gone. You know, you just don't know. Um, you know, but that they also gave Albert Pujols. They they did the ceremony for Albert Pujols that Saturday for that game. I like gave him the number five from the Fenway scoreboard. Like did all this great stuff, and I, I just picked the wrong day, but I didn't care because it was still fun. I drank lots of beers. I, I my buddy Matt was there. He drove, so I I could kind of just do whatever. And like I did what I always do at a live baseball game. I bought a scorecard, and it was it was completely worth it. Um, then uh, the family and I we packed up and we went to the beach for a week. We uh, did our annual trip to Cape Cod, um, but it will no longer be an annual trip to Cape Cod because next year the O'Dowds are going to Wisconsin. We are Wisconsin bound for the Wisconsin Dells. Water park capital of the world, and we've got plans. Um, the little O'Dowd is very into water parks. That is his jam, and he is he is stoked. He is so stoked. He is so ready to go. Um, just looking at videos, so completely worth it. And my next day off, I oh, thank you, little O'Dowd. Um, my next day off does not come until uh, I uh, have jury duty in like. Three weeks, so awesome. Anyway, you do let, your civic duty like and not her. just throwing it away and ignoring it like a normal person. Let your wife know that one of those nights you're in the Dells, DP and I will be driving out to see you and buy you a drink or two. So. I've, I've already warned her about this possibility, so <laughs> I'm not gonna abduct your whole trip, but. I think if you're okay with No, no. Oh, okay. she'll be fine with One thing, we'll drive out there. It's only two hours for us, and we'll probably just grab a room for a night and have dinner or something, if you're up for it. So. Of course I'll be up for that. I've already, I already informed her that, you know, there are folks in, the, in Wisconsin. She's like, well, that's a big state. I was like, eh, we'll see what they do. So... She, I, all, get, give me all the cheese curds and water slides you could find. That's what we're going to do. Sure. That sounds like a horrible combination. Dude, you do not understand. First the water slides, then the, then the cheese Then the cheese curds. It is, is going to be the widest vacation since the Cape Cod vacation. So, I was about to say, like, Cape Cod's not exactly, you know, Harlem in circa 1986. So, you know. <laughs> you, I grew up in what? Central Southern Illinois. Right? Central Illinois, yeah. Did you ever go vacation to the Dells as a kid? I've never been to the Wisconsin Dells in my life. The Mrs. Mrs. O'Dowd, her family up in the Chicagoland area, 
they used to vacation up in the Dells all the time. So that's that's the connection there. We're, uh, we're probably going to have my sister-in-law up as well. It's going to be a good time. So I'm very, very excited. The young man is going to thoroughly enjoy himself. I think the young man will absolutely enjoy himself. And the water parks, yeah, for sure. All right, absolutely. Is he still hiding yeah, Pat, you've told me multiple times, man, and I always forget, but what town in Illinois are you from again? So I grew up in a little town called Tuscola, which is all of about 4,000, 4,500 people strong. We are about 30 minutes south of Champaign-Urbana, where the University of Illinois was. My, my mother actually used to work for the University of Illinois when I was very, very young. So that's my connection to that school. Yeah. So you're on the other side of the state. No, the reason I ask is because you know uh, Amber. She's from Peoria. Oh yeah, very she's nice, very nice. It's a few. It's a couple. Of, it's, it's it's a, it's a little bit. Yeah, Peoria is north of us. Yeah, we're um, we're what is called. Yeah, people forget Illinois is a really long state, like tall. Like it's like if you go from northern, like you go to Chicago down to the tip, it's an eight-hour drive. Yeah, uh, we're we're driving to Wisconsin, by the way, from from Massachusetts. So 16 oh. hours of driving. Bad, actually. Pat, Pat Griswold in this melon farm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Flying's expensive, guys. Flying's expensive. It's you, not. Once, once you get through Indianapolis, it's a pretty, pretty quick. It's only like four hours from Indianapolis. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not sweating it. It's, it's no worse than what we've done before. But hey. It's, hey, it's fucking Pennsylvania's your problem right now. Right. So the other thing that happened while I was on vacation is that I certainly listened to the editions of Bandwagon Nerds that were on there. And let me just say, Bullshit. that's thechairshot.com. That my soundbite didn't work that I had just for this. So now that the moment's been ruined, we're going to try this again. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. I would like to thank the first go-around for not working. Here's what I think is hilarious about listening to you guys do the show when I am not on the show. 30% of the show is P.O.D.'s going to be pissed about blah, 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 blah. Like as if I'm sitting there, hate listening to the damn podcast, <laughs> being like, you sons of bitches are ruining everything. Yeah, have a list of stuff that you Aesop sitting there be like, sorry, Peony. You've had with the shows where you've been gone proves that us playing to you works. I'm just saying, I don't hate the show. I just, what I do, what I... We love you and miss you when you're gone. So we Exactly. The other thing I love is that Dave Ungar, when he hosts the show, um... He usually gets about 30 minutes before you guys take him over. Like, and then it's just poor Dave. Like, he's trying. He's trying really hard. And then you guys will talk about some, like, purple elephant penis dick slapping Barbara Streisand in the nose. And it's done. And, and that's the, and it's like, what just happened here? And, and <laughs> it's not. Uh, but you, you can hear yourself talking about it. I'm not naming the show that, of course. You know this. Here's you can always tell when I don't do the show uh, because, like, the title is is actually the titles weren't too bad. Tony's title was solid. Yeah, um, Aesop, I, I loved it. Uh, I 
No matter how Aesop had done when he hosted last week's show, by the way, I was going to rag him for it just because it's funny. Uh, but at least he tried. Like, and he tried really hard, and I thought, you know, he did what he could do. Um, honestly, I'll, we're going to talk about the boys, obviously. Uh, episode 6, which has really been the focus of some stuff, um, or focus of the program while I've been out because it's back on. Uh, I, I know... Tony would like to watch multiple shows and review multiple shows. I don't even know if he started Umbrella Academy yet or if he's not touched it, but that's that's coming. We're almost done, but I, we can't not talk about the boys. That's There's a lot going on in, in this last episode that we just watched. Uh, we're not going to go to the trailer park, but I brought. I have a special guest. I already, I already mentioned this. We have a special guest for the show. It's a mystery guest. It's a surprise for the three of you. Uh, and so I, I hope you enjoy the time we have with this guest when we bring them in. Uh, and I have two secret topics that we're actually going to talk to them about. And so, them, I'm not going to give you a, a gendered pronoun to figure it out. They, them pronouns today. Well, them is plural to me, so I don't know what to tell you. Uh, they, them can be used in the singular sense as well. Yeah, I, uh, I, was born, I was born in like 1234, so... Twelve thirty, you know, hither here things hither hitherto unheard of. Um, so yeah, uh, haberdashery, haberdashery, <laughs> balderdash. <laughs> like Jackson hundreds. There you go. We will we will be talking about a couple of things that uh, a couple of news pieces that came out of the the. Marvel Cinematic Universe, including one huge announcement. We're gonna bitch about Game of Thrones a little bit, and then I, I'm sorry, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get a little political. Uh, sorry, not sorry. We're gonna get a little political at the end of the show because I don't feel like we can avoid talking about what happened this past week uh, out of the Supreme Court, and it has some serious. I think I think it may have some real world implications to the entertainment industry uh, as folks react to particularly the decision on Friday regarding Roe versus Wade. But before we get to any of that, let's get into the much-anticipated sixth episode of The Boys, Season 3, the Herogasm episode. It's been talked about since it was announced that they were going to do this as an episode based on the depravity out of the issue that it's that it's is the source material. Um, but I got, I got to be honest and maybe it was because it was built up by so many people and, and I got to go check the, the I got to go read the issue itself because I've never actually read the issue. I was expecting more. Uh, I was expecting to be disturbed more than I was actually disturbed by the hero orgy itself. And so for those of you who the uninitiated who haven't been watching the boys, shame on you, but the the episode centers around uh, Homelander. Um, shoot, I'm gonna Homelander uh, coming uh, to Herogasm to confront Soldier Boy, who is there to go after these twins, TNT from his former team. Soldier Boy is accompanied by Huey and Butcher, who are there. Stop! What what are you doing? I haven't messed up a name yet. You get all the names. You're doing really good. Right. So 
Well, there's just there's three different groups showing up. So you got Homelander who's showing up to confront Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy is going to the Hero Gasm to take out TNT as former members of his team that sold him out. He is accompanied by Butcher and Huey. Then you have Starlight who's accompanied by Mother's Milk. Who Mother's Milk is there because he really wants to confront and fight Soldier Boy, kind of get his Butcher level re revenge, which he calls Butcher out on his hypocrisy for not letting him fight Soldier Boy. And um, but they're there to actually kind of save lives out of Hero Gasm because they know that the collateral damage is not going to be limited to TNT, the former members of the team. And of course, everything just goes completely wrong. We do get one of the most anticipated fights I think we've been waiting for out of this between Homelander, all those Soldier Boys involved, Homelander, a powered up Butcher, a powered up Huey, and, a, and Soldier Boy that gets to the point where Homelander has to flee. Um, and we see what I think is probably my least favorite part of of the boys season three because I feel like it's redundant. Once again, Huey and, um, and Starlight are being pulled apart. That's been every single fucking season of the show. Huey and Starlight get together. They kind of get pulled apart. They get pulled, they, it's happened all three seasons. They get pulled apart in some way, shape or form. Like something comes between them. They, they one or the other can't decide whether or not they want to be together. Um, is this the you know is this the final cot nail in their relationship or will we do it all again in season four? I don't know. Um, it's just a redundancy that drives me nuts because I feel like I've seen it before. Um, but that is a minor quibble out of what I would say is a solid episode. And and poor Mother's Milk, uh, he gets to be the one with all the bodily fluids thrown on him. Why the black man got to keep getting skeeted on? Like I, you know I wasn't gonna say it, but yeah. Twice now. Yeah. What's up? And, and on that note, Ray, your thoughts on the Hero Gasm episode? Um. Uh. Well, let's let's hand, let's talk about the love sausage in the room. The Hero Gasm <laughs> was. It was it was daunting, quite. Um. I've read some uh, interviews from the showwriter talking about how they had to run things up the chain for Amazon so it wouldn't get, get like taken off um, and, and you know what they did what they wanted to do I felt like I was watching like um, a streaming version of Caligula those <laughs> um, but no but it was it was it was hilarious it was random I love the off-kilter comment that Soldier Boy was like I created this in 52 <laughs> right so exactly. random this is my idea but I like I love when you have a reverence covering serious things. You mentioned Mother Milk was there. Mother's Milk was there trying to kill, trying to kill Soldier Boy. Andy was there trying to save people, right? Like real things were happening as this was going along and all around this a reverence that, you know, manifests itself in all the C list heroes. And like I get why the deep was there. But A Train just popped up. I know, right? Well he was there looking for uh, old boy. Um, I, I can't remember. Oh, that's right, Blue dirty Hawk. bastard. Blue right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, he was there. He was there with the and he. I mean, he fucked that dude up. Well, I mean, I you know I don't want to bring up really shitty stuff, but it really invoked the old James Bird dragging. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, I don't think that's an accident. Like, I, I don't at all. I, I think I'll that. 
you know, when you look at what these showrunners have done, and they've they've been very clear about it. It's it's fascinating to me uh, that people haven't put together that Homelander is Donald Trump, like that 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 the, that the showrunners had to actually like do an interview where they were like they're fascinated that they're sitting there like no this is Don like this is straight up Donald Trump like we are making Homelander Donald Trump and that go ahead pardon me man I apologize like, no 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 worries so early. But I think it's a testament to the uh, how dope the show is and how clear and crisp and intelligent that the writing is. Because, I mean, it's not a huge secret that they're taking things from the culture and, and incorporating them into the show. But they're able to do it in a way that it, it, it's not heavy-handed and it's not preachy. And I think really it's just, yeah, it's, it's a testament to, to the writing on this show. Uh, you brought up A-Train. I was about to call you Alfred. I apologize, right? But you brought up A-Train. I mean, I, no, the, the, Alfred. the nuance in his character. Not even new paper ones. Paper boy, paper boy, all about that paper. That is that why you boy. call me Alfred? That's hilarious, by the way. But I mean, just I mean, number one, a trade's a sucker. But even that man, that brings very true to life. And Ray, you can you can back me up on this as well because that character arc is very prevalent within the black community. Whenever there's a yeah, whenever there's a, a celebrity whose uh, starlight starts to fade and you know they're not popping anymore, all of a sudden they come back around and reinvent themselves as as baby Malcolm X to try to some you know maintain yeah. some sort of relevancy they'd be at the BET Awards all of a sudden like nah son you don't even know what channel it's on to that point um but A-Train's arc this season has been really interesting to me given that he can't fight anymore um the the A-Train Africa bullshit we all know that was bullshit right. him getting it's one thing if he gets sunned by Homelander everybody does but he got sunned by Ashley you know what I'm talking about well, he was like I bet Huey sunned him to the point where he finally realized, you know, dog, I was wrong. I apologize. And, like, it, it, his arc is very interesting to me. And, of course, we talked about the, the Kendall, Jenner, Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial last week. Shout out to the Deep and Imagine this week. That was Right. Crazy. That was, I, and all of the cameos they got for that, by the way. Fantastic. That was, that was genius. That was terrific, terrific work. I'm glad you brought up that moment between A-Train and Huey because I don't think Huey was ready for what A-Train did I think now, though, right? He was like we can actually fight now, right? And, and Yui is really his his spiral is, is very interesting to me as the uh, it's the he is the fragile white guy. He's a fragile white guy who like doesn't feel like he, he like he believes himself to be marginalized and is so insecure in himself. He is. He's so. In, it's a perception. It's not. A, it's not a real marginalization. Let me. Let me be real. Okay. I just, I, 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 so to your point, yes, you can see that perceived. But if you look at just what's happened in the show, the right. show opened with his girlfriend being killed in front of him. Oh no! Absolutely. Like he has been screwed over, over and over. In the oh, I. I don't disagree with that. But I also don't think he's looked at where he's been. Or like where, how far he's come, and you look at where he is at the start of this at the start of this movie, the start of this season. He's he's in a place, and yeah, he's disillusioned by what happens, and he's like, oh my god, there's just no way to get around it. But that moment where he actually resents his girlfriend because she has powers is that idea of perceived marginal. It's it's an insecure white guy. That's that's what I saw out of him there. And and it was very telling, and it was honest to God, like how reflective 
and I don't really think it's intentionally. Like, they didn't know what was going to happen the week before this episode dropped. And now you've got an insecure, insecure white dude in a relationship with a woman who's who's empowered and, and wants to have some autonomy. And he's sitting there trying to be like, I can protect you and I can do like, it's fascinating the way that worked out. Two more quick points and I'll pass it on. Cause there's so much to talk about in this episode. Right. Um, real quick. Kamiko, did she get her powers back? We don't know. She's just a dog. I think, I think she's just a savage. Well, she is a dog, but like she's, she's feral. She's feral. To, you know, she, she signed to Frenchie that, I don't have my powers, and I still did that, so that's who I really am. You remember that but part? Right, I do, but what I'm talking about is some of the blows she was taking would, would not affect a, would affect a regular person differently than it affected her. Right, she was getting punched in her wound like over and over and over again. You know what I'm saying? And she's just chilling, right? You don't so she may not realize they're back yet. No, um, not I don't know. We'll see next week. I mean, you know, shout out to the love sausage. Secondly, Stop yelling um, at me, Ray. Look, and you, no, um, this, and this, me, this, can me plaque have to fight again so you can go hug your pillow? Look, man, look, I, I'm only here like once every two months, dog. Like, can, can we all get along? Um, <laughs> but it's fun. I don't get to fuck with you ever, so that was just a little bit. Love you. All right, go ahead. Make another point. The other one, I'm, I'm going to pass this back on to you, Patrick, because I think you can expound on this maybe a little better than I can. But, um, we know the whole game that happened between him and Starlight where he fell in love with her but he was like I love you but I can't rock with your Nazism even though I probably agree with it this episode when he did the magic mirror on the wall thing his subconscious said we're gonna make you pure and I caught that and I was like now I know you mean pure in terms of like superhero but that's way too on the nose to not be noticed oh yeah that's that's master race bullshit that's that's the whole thing homelander's not a nazi he's not even a white supremacist he's a homelander supremacist he's not he's smart enough to be any of those things he's just unbelievably insecure and unbelievably powerful period and like a certain former president that Makes a lot of news. And that's, and that again, and this is coming straight from the showrunners and creators. Like they are saying that this is their perception, that Homelander and the way they're writing Homelander is their perception of the former president. So I, I'm not putting words into somebody else's mouth. This is what they're saying. No, I hear you. I, yeah. I think uh, you got pretty much covered everything. The one thing I'll add that we didn't really touch on is the fact that, you know, I, I there's one character here that in Victoria who is extremely powerful so much so that after a confrontation with Starlight don't think that that nosebleed had nothing to do with Victoria oh yeah absolutely she knew what was up she knew exactly what was up that was was the warning shot there's eight different things going for Homelander let's see what happens at the end here speaking of Starlight also gets the picture that she can send to Homelander whenever she wants of the deep and his octopus, if you will. Yeah, that's his his octopus fetish is fascinating. Um, shoot, you you're you're. A creep. Well, you mentioned something. There was something else that you mentioned in there. Actually, go ahead, Plant, because I lost. There was something that Tony said that, and now I've lost where I was going. So go ahead. So a couple. Well, so just real quick, because you you jumped the line here, uh, Mr. Tony. But uh, just real quick. He's barely spoken, so, you know. 
Yeah, and the less the better. Like let less is more with touch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh going back, imagine, man, you you're just off, you're going to your annual orgy, just trying to freak off a little bit. You're and now you dead. Ah, and now and now you dead. Your prostate check. Shut up, brother. I'm just saying, man, and now you're dead. Like that's a fucked up way to go. There that it was it was most unfortunate. Hey. Oh, that's the best way to go. But, Thing, 10 the guy who can get really small and climbed into the guy's dick earlier in the season Termite. and he's all yeah and he's all tiny and burnt on the outside because he lost his powers and he can't really make himself bigger and homelander just walks up and steps on him oh that was wow that was that was something special um apropos absolutely talked about. I wanted to double back to Huey real quick because this is a point that I made on these airwaves. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but I, I talked to He him. said that he was going to fuck it up. Yeah, he was going to schmuck it up because at his core, he's a schmuck and lo and behold, what'd he do? He let personal situations get in the way of what he was there to do because of that little hang-up he had with, um, with uh, A-Train. It gave Starlight an opportunity to run into him and then shit just got further schmucked after that, because he is the a three, at his The three minutes that he gave, that Soldier Boy gave him, ran out of time. You're right. Exactly. Exactly. And Soldier Boy for having whiskey dick for not being able to get rid of the fucking Homelander there. Yeah, and right. The thing about Homelander is like y'all had him right where you wanted him. You you had him dead to rights, and now you've just pissed him off even but more. There, but so there was a conversation with Huey and Soldier Boy in the uh, apartment, no, the hotel room, and he when. He finally said what happened. He was like, I don't know what happened. It just happened. I blacked out 10 minutes. I didn't mean to kill nobody. I'm not a bad guy. And so clearly something thing well, something triggers him. His power comes. That that little chest shit comes out. That, that Havoc-esque shit comes out. He can't control it. Very clearly he can't. Yeah. Very clearly he can't control it, which I think Huey, even though he is a schmuck, caught on to early. Yep. So... Yeah, I, it'll schmuck. <laughs> right. It'll it'll be interesting to see where that where that progresses. I remember the two things that I wanted to talk about. First of all, Black Noir knows he's in some shit, and, and so he took out his trip, and he is figuring himself out. He is going to play a pivotal role, pivotal role in how this season ends. You just you just know it. Um, and two. Somewhere <laughs> and, and two, hey, fuck it. We can talk about Wong in the MCU all day, by the way. Most powerful character in the MCU, anyway. I know you're talking about other shit. The other thing that's going on, him and R2D2 and Black Noir. There you go, we got them all. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm gonna triple down. I am gonna triple down, but no, what I am gonna finish with though is Annie quit. Um, Starlight quit, left the uh, left the seven, and did it in a big. I'm gonna be a, a truth viral truther all the way through, and so that was, I think, a very very big deal. And yeah, it'll be interesting. Where does she go next? It's interesting to me that her her being Annie pronouns pal and mother's milk clicked up because they're really the, those two characters are the moral center of the show. 
Mm-hmm. The, you know, Frenchie's starting to come around, but they're really the only two decent human beings in the entire universe, in well, my Frenchie, humble opinion. Frenchie was always oh. decent, too. It's just Frenchie, very clearly, since he was a little kid, if you listen to, to Little Nina, has this complex where he's easily controlled. Mother's Milk isn't so much controlled as he... Scarred. Right, he's very scarred, but even last week, uh, Butcher explained to him, like, I'm the, I'm the hammer and chisel, but you're the mother of... That's why we call you Mother's Milk, because you're the one that keeps us all together and comes in and fixes things. So he had that sense of... That twisted sense of loyalty. Frenchie, do what you say. And that's, he's been like that since a little kid. He can't help that. But Frenchie clearly is a good dude because... Again, to see at the beginning of the series, season one or maybe season two, when he didn't kill, when he uh, didn't kill, who he was supposed to kill, and that's the right. he killed the kid. Like, and that's scarred him so much. Which is a good dude. He is a good dude, and I think that um, you saw that you know play through at the end of this episode. And uh, I wanted to go back. I think this was a question. I can't remember which episode it was. The three of you, and it may not have been the three of you. I can't remember where you were asking about the nature of Frenchie and Kamiko's relationship. I think when they found, I think when, last week, yeah. I think when he found her, when they found her, it was very much a caretaker familial sort of relationship. I feel it has evolved and changed. I feel like there's been a lot of good, positive character development for Frenchie. Go ahead. This, this relationship has run the gambit because Frenchie was attracted to her without being able to go for her because he is involved. And then she was now, you realize, always attracted to Frenchie, but could never want it to make a move because of her powers. She lost right. her powers, made her... And now we're good. That's the, that's the spectrum of that relationship. For so sure. it is It is really developed. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes when she gets her powers back, because I do think that's happening. Like, whether it has actually happened or has not... Sorry, I talked... Really funny thing, watched. I totally looked behind me, seeing a door close and somebody else's screen. I'm like, well, who's leaving the room? Um, good podcasting right there. Okay, we've got a few episodes left. We're all we're we're almost to the low point of this team before they all come back together. Uh, Amazon usually wraps up the climactic action in episode eight before you get a denouement episode in episode nine i look forward to seeing it in next week is it is it 10 episodes or is it nine i thought it was nine is nine okay eh, one way or the other it's almost we're, we're coming we're coming close to the end tony's gonna do that thing where he looks it up and corrects me anyway while he does that we are going to take our first commercial break and when we come back we are going to have a guest uh, a special secret guest that only I know about. And we're going to talk about two topics that, again, only I know about. And so, all right, eight episodes. And when we come back, we're going to not worry about those last two episodes that we got in front of us because what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of interviewing. So stay tuned. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, welcome back. Three quarters of the bandwagon in the house. Christopher Platt will come back uh, as we do that uh, commercial break business. So I told you guys while we were gone, I listened intently to the show and uh, caught on to a couple of news items that you, uh, you, you covered. And one of the ones that really caught my attention was you talked about the uh, reviews of the movie Lightyear. And the fact that it got like a 78 on Rotten Tomatoes and there was this big conversation about, you know, how does, what does this mean for Pixar and all that? And it got me to thinking, what if we talked to a member of the core audience and asked them what they thought? And so I worked really hard, got a hold of this person's uh, representation uh, worked out our schedules, looked things up, and for the first time ever on the Bandwagon Nerds podcast, I'd like to welcome the little O'Dowd, who is going to join. Say hello in the microphone, little O'Dowd. Hi. Now, can everybody hear the little O'Dowd just fine? This is going to be interesting. We're going to trade chairs here in a second so that you can actually see his face. And I'm going to give him the headset after I ask him a couple of questions and get his opinion so that you guys could ask him questions. But we have two topics we're actually going to cover today because we're going to talk a little bit of Lightyear because we went and saw it yesterday. And let me tell you, I thought it was quite good. I, thought it, I actually really enjoyed the movie. And two... We're going to talk a little bit of Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan finished up and this guy didn't just like sort of half watch the episodes like he like he sometimes when I put something on streaming sometimes he'll like watch a little bit and then go to like his Kindle and can pop in here and there. No. Every time we did a first run episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the little O'Dowd was there to watch it. And so I would love you guys to be able to ask him questions about this. And so what I'm going to do that's why um, I was talking to Tony before we started the show. I was trying to do it in his, with the speaker so that I could hear everybody. We could hear the questions. But that's just not going to work. And so first, little O'Dowd, hop in the big chair. And I will hop in the little chair. Little O'Dowd is in the big chair. This is a big moment for him. He's got to turn and face the camera, get in a little closer. Now, first of all, Let's go over the names of everybody you're going to be looking at. This here on the right, that's Ray Cash. What's up, Ray? What's up, little O'Dowd? That's what he asked you. He can't hear you because I got the headset. Yeah. Hi. Down below him is the voice of Chair Shot Radio, Mr. Christopher Platt. One second. Hey, what's going on, big fella? How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. That's good. Good to have you on, man. Nice to meet you. And last but not least... Nice to meet you, too. Last but not least, directly below us, that is Mr. Saturday Night himself, PC Tunny, big fan of Saturday Night Live. How you doing, little man? Good. All right, I'm going to take the headset back for a second. Simpsons oh. fan. Yeah, I All right, am. We'll talk about that another day. I like that. All right, so I'm going to take the headset back, and I'm going to ask the little O'Dowd a couple of questions before I hand it over to you. Sonny, you don't call little fella little fella. You call him big fella, man. 
No, he's the little O'Dowd. I'm the big O'Dowd. He's the little O'Dowd. Yeah, but he's the big fella. That's like you call a fat dude tiny. You know what I mean? Don't start. Yeah, he's trying. He's trying to. Hold on right now. Yes, he's ten. Give him a break. All right. So. I mean, Platt's gonna get it because the kid can't hear me right now. All right. So, little O'Dowd. First thing I'd like you to do. Last week on this show, these guys talked about the movie Lightyear and how people have been reviewing it not quite as positively as other ones. So before we get into what you think about that, why don't you tell us, how did you like the movie and what was some of the best parts of Lightyear that you saw? Make sure you talk in the microphone. So what did you like? Or did you like it? Did you like the movie? Let's start with that. Yes, I did like the movie. I think it was a good movie. Okay. What was what was what were some of your favorite parts? What were your highlights? Well, one, Buzz was revealed to be the bad guy as well as the good guy. Spoiler alert! It blows your mind. Um, <laughs> we're you know we're not spoiler free here. It's all good. He continues yeah, the tradition. Right. Well done. Right now, Bandwagon Nerds is not spoiler free, so it's totally cool that you you spoiled the big reveal. What was something else? What was your favorite character? In in the in the show in the movie and why? I cannot decide. You can't decide. Well, then name a couple of them. Like everybody, everybody that like basically everybody. Basically everybody. What did you think of Socks the Cat? Funny. Funny. What were some of the best things about Socks the Cat? I can't decide. You can't decide? Well, what were some of the things you told me yesterday that you liked about him? What were some of the things he could do that you thought were awesome? Well, one, he he, he has a torch inside of him, as well as he can blow darts. Blow darts? And what do those darts do? Uh, they make it so that somebody can't really do anything, so paralyze them for like five minutes. Five minutes. Now... What was one of the big things that kept happening in the movie that you thought was kind of cool? Where, what kept happening to Buzz when he tried to hit warp speed? He kept, like, going to the future a few years. Yeah. and From time dilation. From time dilation. Very, very good. And did you think that the story was... What What did you think of the story? Did you think it was a well-told story? Did you, did you think it was... You called it. You said it was a mix of a different type, a couple of different types of things. What did you, what did you say? I don't remember what we were talking about in the car yesterday. Well, was it like, was it like an action? Was it a comedy? Do you remember? It was a mix of action, comedy, and basically everything. Basically everything. And Except as a, as a kid, what did you think of the movie? I think it was a good movie. Yeah. Uh. I could actually understand what was happening. Could actually understand what was happening. That's good. How did the other kids in the theater react? Well, they clapped. They clapped when the movie was over. Yeah. So, what do you think about these critics who are saying this movie wasn't very good and that people shouldn't go see it? I think they're wrong. You think they're wrong? Yeah. Why do you think they're wrong? Like, it's. A lot of reasons. Basically. A lot of reasons. Give me, give me two. It's funny. 
It's funny. And it has a lot of action. Yeah, we're, you said there were, you, you liked the, um, what was it? The explosions. Yeah, a lot of good explosions. All right, so here's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to actually see if these guys want to ask you any questions and opinions. I'm going to give you the headset back and let you listen to them, see if they have any questions for you before we talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, okay? Before he gets the headset back, I'm just curious, like, the good buzz and the bad buzz. Like, did Chris Evans play, play, play the good buzz light year, and then Tim Allen was the bad buzz light year? Or well, how I, exactly I think, did that go down? I don't think that happened. Let I'll, me ask you a question. I'll, I'll say it, though, by the way, Black. Okay. Did you, so, you've seen the original Toy Story movies, right? Yeah. Did you like Buzz Lightyear better in this movie, or did you like him better when he was in the Toy Story movies? Definitely this movie. This one? Did you just, like, he was uh, more fun to watch, he just did cooler things, or you just kind of saw more of his personality? I think he was more fun to watch. Okay. Sounds good. And I also don't really like Toy Story that much. Okay. Fair. So you like this really? different way of story telling the story as opposed to the way they did it before. Yeah. Cool. What, what was it about Toy Story that you didn't like? Because I, I enjoyed those three movies. Mm, I just didn't like it. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, LOD, I've actually seen but the Lightyear movie. So I have uh, a daughter who's a year older than you, and I have a daughter that's 14. So we go see all these movies, and I'm usually the one of all of us that enjoys the Pixar or the Disney movies. So um, two quick things. Can I tell you my favorite part of the movie? Yes. I've got the pin! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll catch that. Um, so here's my question for you. Um, I know you've seen Toy Story, you may not like Toy Story, but there was a lot of weird feelings about this because this movie wasn't about the toy, but was about the person that the toy was made from, right? So what I found interesting was in this movie, it's a kind of about people who make mistakes a lot, but don't give up and finally push through and you end up being a hero. How did you think about that? What did you think about that kind of idea and how that affected Buzz's journey, given that we know him as a hero, but he wasn't quite yet? Overall, I think it was a good way of telling the story. Um, I mean, it sells how he became a hero, which is partially why the movie is good, in my opinion. Completely agreed. Also, that crystal was really cool once they made, once they finally they figured it out, and went to what was it, hyperspeed or hyperdrive? I think, I, it, right? I think it was hyperspeed. Yeah, that was really cool. I I really liked the movie too. Oh, and to and to answer your question, Platt, um, Buzz is trying. They end up getting stuck on a planet that doesn't like them. It's got like a lot of dangerous stuff. So Buzz keeps trying to go back into the back in the past so he can get them out, but he keeps going in the future. And uh, eventually he finds out that when he gets to the end, when he finally figures out 
how to get into hyperdrive to get where he wants to go, he's so far back in the in the future that his best friend is unfortunately she's passed away, um, and they're controlled by these these kind of robots that are trying to destroy everything. Turns out, it's Buzz from that timeline who came back and figured it out, but tried. To, but the new guy in charge tried to arrest him. So he said, well, I just found this technology. I'm just going to take over. It's, you, you have to see the movie, but it's mm. really good, and it's worth watching. I mean, do you think... So if but, I were to ask you to give the movie a one, between a 1 and a 10 LOD, a yeah. 10 being the best movie you've ever seen, a 1 being how your dad feels about The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> what would your favorite... What, what number would you give it in terms of how much you liked it? A 9 or a 10. Hey, oh, I'm with wow. you, wow. I'm with you brother. Right. I'm with you. It's a really good movie. Wow, it's that good. I might have to go watch it now because you think it's that good. I, I value your opinion. Good answers, by the way. You're doing really good at this. Yeah. I, I don't trust yeah. these faces you're making. Actually, uh, are you available next week? Can we get rid of your dad? Yeah. You <laughs> just, just ask him to take, teach you how to do the voice meter thing, and you, you've got the job, kid. You're I'm come up with a list of chores for him to do on Sunday, and you can come on and... The student has become the teacher. Mm-hmm. All right, you all are making him laugh, so I know you guys are running out of questions on on, on Lightyear. We are going to shift gears, and we're going to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi real quick, too, because you really liked Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. Um, first off, I loved the last episode. I watched it twice. I've already watched it twice. Um, did all three of y'all watch it, or was it just... Tony did. Any of it yet, but it, I'm... I've been so busy and every other stuff. I will watch all of it and binge it within the next month. All right. So it sounds like only me and PC Tony have watched it. So we're going to be the ones who will probably ask you the questions. But first, um, what? And you? Yes. Yes. You, of course. Yes. Thank you. You called me out already. I feel you. You feel seen. Um, start with. What did you? What was your? What was? What was your favorite part? Because you liked it, right? Like you enjoyed Obi Wan Kenobi very much. Um, nod. They can't hear you. You got to say yes uh, and stuff into the microphone. But what were some of your highlights from Obi Wan Kenobi? What did you? What, what did you like? The part where the what was it like the sixth sister? Yep. Didn't kill fifth. Luke. Fifth. Didn't yep. kill Luke. Was yep. nice. Yeah. I like that part. That's very cool. What did you think about the battle between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan in the last episode? I think, like, it was okay. It was okay? It was a lightsaber battle. It was a lightsaber battle? What's your favorite part of Star Wars? Like, just like any... Yeah, like out of all of Star Wars, what's your favorite part of Star Wars? The Clone Wars TV show. The Clone Wars TV show, and why is that? It focused less on Jedi and more, you know. On? Like, the troops. The troops. What do you collect more than anything out of Star Wars stuff? Clone Wars. Clone Wars, and specifically? Clone Troopers. Yeah, tell everybody what your goal is with Lego minifigures. <laughs> to get a giant army of them. He wants a giant army of clone troopers. 
So I'm going to let these guys ask you a couple more questions about Star Wars related stuff and then we're going to let you go because I know you got a really busy schedule of Lego Dimensions and um, Kindle in front of you to play today, right? This is really important <laughs> and you want to stay yeah. on schedule. So I'm going to give you the headset back and I'm actually going to trust, God help me, I'm going to trust these two for a moment with the little O'Dowd to ask you some Star Wars questions. Anything they want to ask you while I step away. And when I come back, that'll be the end of the interview, okay? All right. We're, we're trust me, we're, we're, we're gonna be, we're gonna have fun. Uh, so I haven't seen Obi-Wan Kenobi yet. Um, but I've heard it's good. But you it's said something that made me, you said something that made me think. What is it about the Jedi or the Sith that doesn't, interest you as much as the clones and the stormtroopers and like the rebels and the droid army and stuff yeah and any of it what what is it about that other stuff that you like better than the jedi well one the jedi barely ever die true but like when you have armies they have a lot of like it's there's actual kind of stakes yeah. Instead of point. instead of this, these Jedi's you can block every blaster bolt and kill, kill and slash and blah blah blah, and this Sith that, that don't really win anyways. So you like more believability about the actual battle as opposed to being able to do all this miraculous stuff, right? Yeah. What did I you agree. think? Let me let me go a little bit different direction. Let's go to Obi Wan, right? And mm -hmm. what did you think of the little girl who played Princess Leia? Because she was a really important part of the entire story. Well, I think that little girl played Princess Le Young Leia well. And you think she was too smart or too confident for how old she was, or you kind of know that? Hey, man, like. Us kids, we can get stuff done, too. The character makes it more believable that she can do everything that happens. Like, if it was a regular kid, it, then it would be less but so. Right, but she's Anakin's daughter, right? So she's got to be feeling a little bit of the Force? Yeah. So of all of Star Wars... My favorite character of all of Star Wars was Darth Maul. I just thought he was the coolest thing. He had the two, the, both the lightsaber on both ends. I just thought it was so cool. Who is your favorite character of all of Star Wars? Or do you have a favorite character? I guess I'd go with Anakin Skywalker. Oh, so before he becomes Darth, just Anakin. Yeah. Just Anakin. Like, the fan, like Phantom Menace Anakin, where he's doing the pod races and everything? No, once he's older than a kid. Okay, so... Oh, but so not... He's learning from... Before Vader. Okay, so you... So your two of your favorite movies are probably, what, two and three? The Clone Wars, obviously, right? Yes. And then what is the... What's the third one again? Phantom um, Menace, Clone Wars, and Attack of the Clones. Yes. 
I got you. I got you. So then this was really a fills in a nice gap for you after a couple of your favorite movies to see what happened between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, are you a Fortnite guy or no? No. Oh, they got the Obi-Wan guy on there. That's what I was going to ask you. So, Are you an Obi-Wan fan or no? Not too much, but a little. Not what, a about what about Mandalorian? Do you like the Mandalorian? I didn't really watch the Mandalorian. Okay. Okay. Here's my have you seen the, the first three Star Wars with uh, Luke Skywalker and, and all of them? I'm sure you have because I know yeah. you're probably, but have you? Because it, yes. it's funny that yes. you said it. It's funny to me that you said Anakin was your favorite because when I was your age, Luke Skywalker was my favorite. And then as I got older, I started to relate a little bit more to the uh, the Han Solo character. So that 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 was interesting to me. Last question for you, but um, the Obi Wan series really good. Do you want to see more stories told in between the big movies of things that you don't know about, or do you want to see what happens continuing the story forward? I think it'd be better if they clear up what's going on in between the movies rather than, yeah. like, this next thing that happens and not clearing up what happens in between before that happens. Can, can, I, tell you, can I tell you something? I want to thank you for doing this because I... I understand it could be a little scary and a little weird, but you did great. Like you're a natural at this. So thank you for talking to us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It, truly. And thanks nice for classing up the joint a little bit. Yeah, like, you made us you made us cooler today. We'll get rid of your dad at some point so you can come in and host. Okay, no worries. <laughs> Good job, Talk man. to mom about that. I'm sure she can help you out and find something for dad. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule today, little O'Dowd. Enjoy the rest of the day on your Kindle or playing Lego Dimensions on my PlayStation 4. A game he hasn't played, thanks, and not bad for a 10-year-old on his podcasting debut. Uh, there you have it, folks. The little O'Dowd giving you his opinions on Obi-Wan, Star Wars, and Lightyear. And the thing that I just found really interesting out of going to Lightyear with him, he he decided on a whim. Like, he's, he watched a trailer or two while we were on vacation, and he was like, I, I think I want to see this. And, like, when saw it, and I don't, I don't know what people wanted out of that movie, but it's, in my opinion, it's better than Cars um, I, and, and that series and the, air, and the plane series, and it's... It's a quality movie, so it it did its job. Listen, the fact that, and I didn't know this when we talked about this, um, is that they told the story of the person who the character is made of. And I said, well, if they're going to do Woody, they've got to do the same thing. They have to tell the story of the cowboy who is made into Woody and use Tom Hanks to narrate that, whereas Tim Allen is, you know... Spoken into existence because apparently that, I think that's being developed. Like right. Like well, you can do three of those. And, and don't feel and don't feel too bad for Tim Allen as the Santa Claus series is going to be hitting Disney Plus soon, and his ass is on that show. So. Oh, they're bringing that back. How yes. Light year do at the box office, by the way. 
not as well as other Pixar movies have. Here's here's the thing. It was really interesting. It's not even that it's that Buzz Lightyear is a real person. The the movie opens with a caption that says, "In 1994, Andy went and saw you know Andy what's his name went and saw a movie that, that you know I, that was his favorite that that showed his favorite hero Buzz Lightyear. This is that movie. So basically, what they're saying is that you're watching the movie." that Andy watched to to become a fan of Buzz Lightyear. And so that caption was all I needed for that show for that movie to make sense. Like so, sure. So not even that it it was based on a a real person per se. This was just the movie that the toy came from. Right, exactly. And and you know, I don't know, I haven't read anybody's like opinions or, or reviews of like what they thought of the movie. Like nobody nobody gives a shit where like Zerg having a backstory like who cares it had no backstory until this movie right um and it was it was fun like it had a it had the typical pixar life lesson stuff and and it was good and it was a very enjoyable movie but also right. to again in the world we live in um two black women were major were majorly important to the to the plot right the 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 secondary main character was in a same-sex relationship that they highlighted. Right. There was a lot of things outside of the actual story that were important to see in a Disney Pixar movie you don't ever which, see. Which reminds me, um, I wanted to ask if you noticed, because I was I assumed that you had seen Lightyear, uh, Ray, just just because I know you. Uh, did you notice the number on um, the young woman, um, the, the granddaughter on her, her uniform? Is it? I did not. Was it forty-two? Forty-two. For Jackie. That's what I took from it. I I, I just like I, I I couldn't get that out of my head. I was like, and she's you know part of the first group of the next generation of space rangers. So this movie proves to me. I'm sorry. Last last thought. This sure. It proves to me what I think Hollywood is realizing. The more Taika Waititi. Yes, Taika can, can write his own damn check, um, and should. Here, just a couple of other last thoughts on Obi-Wan, because I watched it. Uh, I loved the way they, they tied in a lot of New Hope explanation stuff, because so many people, I have this saying when it comes to professional wrestling, and I, I will admit that I'm not always good at this, let it marinate. Um... When the first couple of episodes of Obi-Wan hit, people hated on so much uh, of this show, feeling like it was going to completely blast the original trilogy out of the water. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that they did a great job of explaining how this series connects to A New Hope, and specifically Obi-Wan Kenobi finding himself. We get one of the Great expected cameos of all time, and they save it to the last three minutes of the of the show, with Liam Neeson coming back as Qui Gon Jinn, uh, finally seeing him as a Force ghost. Uh, but you see that neither Obi Wan Kenobi nor Darth Vader are complete at the end of this show. They're still not the product that we see in A New Hope. Because Obi-Wan kicks the ever-living shit out of Darth Vader again. And is still Darth Vader's master. And that thing gets explained back 
is a callback to episode four when he talks about the circle being complete. And even then, Darth Vader was 0 for 3 against Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's all you have to know. Because even though he struck Obi-Wan down, Darth Vader still loses. All right. We're going to take our second commercial break. Before we go into our recorded commercial, it is my duty to remind all of you that if you like what we do here at TheChairShot.com and on the ChairShot Radio Network, that you need to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and invest in one of our many chair shot shirts. Since I came back from vacation, I decided to represent the brand, put on the Bandwagon Nerd shirt, very excited to be wearing it, spent the few dollars more on top of my $19.99 to get this soft style because it feels great on your giblets. And I'm just telling you, the nipples, a little perky today, feeling good. You know why? Soft style, feels good on the giblets. That's why, always, always, always. There's all sorts of other designs you can choose from though. There's OG chair shot logos. I'm sure there's still a random Platt Balaz election shirt in there somewhere. Who knows? Everyone hates Greg. That is one of the more popular designs. <laughs> All of them are there for your consumption. Again, that is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. We cannot put out quality content every single day without your continued support. And so I'm, I'm telling you, this is how you help us get our names out there, rep the brand, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. It's not just a website. It's a movement. Right, Platt? You're damn right. All right. When we come back, a little bit of news around the nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, folks. PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right. Well, we are now back, and we are going to jump into some news around the Nerdosphere. Not going to be very dramatic about it. But what we are going to do is we're going to start by visiting the MCU. And we can't visit the MCU without ripping off some music. So without further ado... We're going to start with it actually with a tweet that got shared that that shared some numbers um, in regards to the latest MCU streaming um, series, Ms. Marvel, which for those of you who may not be watching is a terrific show. I have been watching it. I've been staying on top of it from episode one. And here's the thing. The best part about this show, in my opinion, is that it is so much more than a superhero show. This is a look into a slice of America that people want to ignore and marginalize. We talked about marginalized population. American Muslims, pretty marginalized in the United States. And this tweet, and I, I can't, I, the tweet's not working as I try to open it up. It's not letting me verify the link, so I, I can't actually read it. But basically what it said is that this is the first, or is the lowest viewed Marvel show on Disney Plus for its first five-day run. And 
One, I can't say I'm surprised. From the tweet. Right. Uh, simply stated, I'm not surprised. Um, and I think that not to, to ma I, I'm going to make it a racing. White people aren't watching this show. Garrett, because the other statistic that came out of this, I know you and I are, Tony, but the other statistic that came out of it is that what, what's the demographic raise the one who pulled it out? It's like, um, uh, go ahead. So, okay, so um, in the first five days of the, of the MCU TV shows, WandaVision did 1.6 million, Falcon and Winter Soldier did 1.8 mil, Loki, of course, thanks to Tom Hiddleston, did 2.5, Hawkeye did 1.5, and Moonlight did 1.8, Miss Marvel did 775,000. However, according to the caveat that Patrick so uh, beautifully uh, alluded to, it has a, a higher rate of younger viewers and black, Hispanic, and Asian households than the other MCU shows, which makes sense. Makes complete sense. And it just, it fascinates me because white folks are missing out on a great show. And it really, it's, it's not surprising, but very disappointing that, that these numbers aren't going there. On the other hand, this is a young, this, this show has the energy of a almost, Tony shared a, a trailer for a Nickelodeon documentary uh, the other day. This feels like a Nickelodeon show a little bit in its energy, not in its its themes, but in sort of the energy and exuberance that Kamala Khan has towards superheroes and, and her like character. I, I love her. By the way, like the, the the as a hero, as a character, she's so great. Um, and yeah, to Amon Vellani, who's never yeah, acted before. right, yeah, this is her first role. Like it's 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 a fan being a fan. It's so it's so great. You know, but a lot of great directors will tell you, and if you watch that Nickelodeon series, they'll tell you they're looking for kids who weren't over rehearsed and over polished. They wanted someone who was real, who could come in and actually just. They were a fan. They could appreciate it. They knew what to do, right? It's like someone who comes in from wrestling as a, at WrestleMania and is a celebrity and not a wrestler. They're going to do a lot better if they're a fan like Bad Bunny as opposed to if they're not like some other people. I don't want to mention names. So, you know, you kind of get that youthful exuberance, that naivete that goes with it, which doesn't seem, you know, overproduced and, and you know, like a over-manufactured, like a Twinkie. That's a great point. And so we're, well, we're, we're in, Patrick talked about it a little bit. I'm sure we're getting to it deeper. But the, the beginning of the MCU had to do be a certain way to become profitable, right? Sometimes you got to prove that you can make money, then you can do what you want. And Feige, to his point, has, has played this from a genius perspective. But imagine the weight on Chadwick Boseman's shoulders rest, rest in peace, rest in power when he was given the role of Black Panther and we knew what that movie was going to mean to black people and Africans too imagine right. the weight on, on Simu Liu's uh, shoulders when he got that role knowing what it was going to mean to Asians in general and specifically Chinese people but Asians in general so to your point Tony I think it's kind of cool that they said no nah, we're going to just do this open cast and call the brand new kid because the pressure of being the first Middle Eastern Pakistani in particular 
Muslim superhero is going to be so big, maybe it's easier if we give it to someone who's never felt that pressure. But I don't, I don't know that it went that way. I thought the story, and I could be wrong as well, but I thought the story went that they seen this and went, this is who we want, and re- regard, no, they were open casting call. For, no, I know. So, right. So, open casting call, right? Yeah. So, I think, I don't think they had an idea of what direction they want to go ethnicity-wise. I think they just saw her and then wrote the show around her. No, 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 no. Kamala Khan. Seen for in for that Pakistani Muslim, a Pakistani Muslim, yes. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. they want. They're so one thing they've been doing recently, um, and it's very specific for Miss Marvel because of the ramifications of that area, right? Right. It's, it, they're very specific. They they again look at how finally that they walk the line with the Moon Knight series, right? So many people in the Moon Knight series were sure. actually of Egyptian descent, right? Right. Um, but they, but the, yeah, they didn't the cast sure a call. Which way happened? No, I yeah, mean. they wanted to actually live out the role of Kamala Khan in real life, and it helped that not only was Iman Vellani Pakistani, not only was she 16, well, she's 18 now, not only was she Muslim, but she's really, truly a super fan. Right. Like every, she's Kamala Khan in real life. Now, if, if I can interject here for a second, I just want to play devil's advocate just quickly here. I, I think that to a certain degree, Marvel fatigue is real, especially as, and you, you, you talked about it, Ray, how they introduced certain characters a certain way in order to establish the, the property and the brand. I get that. But when you start to introduce a lot of these characters that the average viewer might not be that familiar with, I, you know, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that, you know, viewership might wane for some of these shows. Now, that being said, that doesn't account for the, the idiots online and, and, and the, the, the think pieces and shit like that. That's not even really coded language at this point. Like, it's not even codified. It's just what it is. Like, that doesn't account for that. People that didn't watch just didn't watch. But, you know, this is one of the reasons, and, you know, we, we you and I, or all of us, we have these discussions. And, you know, y'all know me. Sometimes I'll take this bottle of water and I'll somehow go from this bottle of water to Jupiter or some shit like that. But this is why I say a lot of times that these TV shows and these movies, man, they can be dangerous because it's not just about entertainment. In a lot of cases, it's about education and also indoctrination. So for example, what I mean by that is when I was growing up, the bad guys were always the Russians, right? And and then the Soviet Union falls, the Cold War is over, now it gets switched over to the to the Arabs and specifically Arab Muslims. And now more recently, you're starting to see the Chinese kind of be the, the big bads in, in all of the movies. So, you know, as Hollywood, you've spent not even Hollywood, just American society in general. You've spent all these years training the average American to think when they see Muslim, that's the bad guy. That's automatically the bad guy. Now, all of a sudden you're starting to introduce, you know, Muslim culture in more into, not just into life itself, but now you're in their escape, because these movies are supposed to be the, the average white guy's escape from reality and what's going on in their lives, and now you're introducing it into there. And yeah, so what do you expect? I, I You know, I'm not saying they're right, don't get me wrong, but I understand what do you expect? Like, you've been setting these people up, these people have been the, the villain for 40 years now, and now all of a sudden, you know, the average American is supposed well, to embrace them with open arms. I guess, you know. Well, here's, here's the thing. The character itself and what happens, it's, it's not done in such a way where it's like, hey, check out our Muslim character. She is a character who is Muslim. 
it, mm. it was though. It was heavy. It, Where? No. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. No. Let me finish. Let me finish. All right, finish. Within the first five minutes, you see the brother downstairs praying, and I'm not saying whatever. It's a Muslim character. It's a Muslim family. Whatever. I'm saying. Get so over I'm trying to break it back. So let me ask you this question then, because how many damn movies where do we have a white Christian dude at some point? At a church praying. Let me finish. I was about to get into that. So yes. Oh really? Where is one character about this one Muslim family, and you're losing your shit about it? Get the fuck over it. It's not. And on the surface, it's a really cute show. You you all talked about the lead actress. She's really good. She's very likable, and it's just a, it's a cute show. It's very breezy. It's only forty five minutes, but it breezes by. But yeah, I, I don't I, think that this backlash should have been this backlash. Well, I don't think, I don't know if I, it's not really backlash. It's just people not watching. Like backlash is, and I mean there is there there's always some backlash with anything, but like I haven't seen backlash so much as I've seen disinterest, um, and I do think that does maybe there is something to Marvel fatigue. Like I know a few weeks ago there was an article we talked about where, um, you know, you're starting to see the backlash in the form of like Marvel is homework, and like having to watch all these shows to connect all these dots. The thing that I found really interesting about both Moon Knight and now Miss Marvel right now is outside of knowing who the hell Captain Marvel is, you don't need to watch anything with out of the MCU to really enjoy Ms. Marvel. Uh, you don't really need to watch anything to do with Marvel to watch Moon Knight. And you're like, there's no connection in Moon Knight at all. Like, there's just, like, nothing. Like, we don't even... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm just glad you brought that up because there are there have been other things in the MCU you could have said was was uh, Marvel fatigue, but we're, the last two shows for Miss Marvel were Hawkeye, which most people think is the worst Avenger and was didn't deserve a show. He got 1.5 mil, and then Moon Knight, a character nobody's ever heard of, that got 1.8 million. At least people have heard of Miss Marvel. They may not know anything about her, but they've heard of her because she's a character created in the past 10 years. So most people who are inclined to watch stuff like this at least have heard the term before, right? So it's so I don't know that this is so much of MCU backlash because 1.8 million people watch Moon Knight but they ain't no shit about it. You know, and the, the irony of all of this is, I can't remember who the writer who created Kamala. Forgive me for that. I'm sure we'll come up with it. But part of the reason I'd imagine they created her specifically in that situation was because I bet you, and this is a horrible thing to think and say, but I bet you the person thought it's easier to swallow if it's a young teenage girl. Like as a character, like, like with that background. For example, flip it, flip it. I, I know you're not a big DC guy, uh, Patrick, but Simon Bass, who is one of the newest Green Lanterns in DC, He's paired up with Jessica Cruz because they know they can't put him on his own. Because he's, he's a Muslim man. Like they, but they know if I put a Muslim dude who's a Green Lantern and give him his own comic book series, nobody's going to watch or read. And it's foul. But that's the world we live in, unfortunately. So you put him with Jessica Cruz, make it a buddy cop. I people interested in that. And the, the, but Kamala is, such, is so... Her character is so airy and so light and so fun and so loving. She's she's a fangirl. She literally is obsessed with the superhero like we are. So it's, it, it's I'm imagining that's supposed to lessen 
the quote unquote, I hate saying that, but the blow. I yeah, I can't I can't argue that there isn't something to to that making a character palatable to masses like that is Hollywood 101 that's entertainment 101 I you know I will I will be intrigued to see if viewership changes or increases as this show progresses um you know it's it is it is fascinating to me because I will I will point out that you know you mentioned it she's popular she does have a pretty strong following I think her following's watching the show I, I do think that me, I'll, I'll lay it out, me, like, and people like me, I, it's not even a comic I would have honestly necessarily picked up. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to identify with that character. So maybe that is something to it. Uh, I do think it's fascinating, though, and to your point, Moon Knight, who nobody knew anything about, maybe Oscar Isaac brings in 1.8. I, I, I don't know, maybe. Um, but I, Guardians of the Galaxy was huge in the theaters. Ant Man was was huge in the theaters. Wow. How is it that this one? How is it that this one random character? This is the this is the one off and the exception. It, it feels like there's more there, and and that's kind of, interesting. I don't want to get too heavy handed because I don't I don't want to lose right. the audience or bore them. But it, 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 it's kind of it's very similar to something that we're going to talk to talk about rather a little bit later on in the show. Um, mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is that the average aged Muslim is 18 years old and younger. So what that means is 100, 200 years, Islam is going to overtake Christianity as the world's religion. So a lot of this backlash, or because you can't call it empathy, this is clearly a backlash, whether you've seen stuff online or not. The fact that the numbers are what the numbers are, and they're not watching this, that's your backlash right there. A lot of this, and a lot of what we're going to talk about later on, it, it, it has to do with survival and, and feeling that you're being replaced by other when you've been taught your entire life that you should fear the other. And now we're teaching you to embrace the other when we spent this whole time teaching you that the other was bad yeah y'all get where i'm going man i don't yeah, want to get no I, I understand i understand and we well we're I, and i'm okay with talking about some heavier stuff to, to wrap up this show because uh, that's definitely where we we're going uh, but what i i do want to talk about we had a couple of other pieces of marvel news that i think are actually intertwined kevin feige yeah, say one oh, more thing real quick one more thing no i promise you it's gonna be quick i just okay. want to say that the, De the desi wedding scene yes episode three is one of the five best marvel scenes ever it's that good to me it is that good and i know you disagree with that easily patrick but it's that it's one of the five what that's no diss to the, to the desi marvel scene i just knowing you well enough to know the things that you like, I would imagine you would put other things in front of that. But to me, this top five Marvel scene ever. It's that good. Just I, it out. Like, I haven't seen episode three yet, but I watched the first two. I'm going to watch episode three. Right. Yeah, but just check it out. It's a... I have thoroughly enjoyed the amount of um character development and just um, what they've done with this family 
to, te- to, to show audiences their lives. And what they're like, there's a lot of day to day life stuff in this show. And I think that that is valuable and I think that is important. And you talk about normalizing Platt. This is part of, this is part of normalizing a character and showing that these are human beings with traditions and, you know, that they're not all that different from white folk. Yeah, right? That, like they're they're different but same. It's it's family. That's what this is. It's family. Ohana. Jordan all that fun stuff. Thing. Right. Jordan Peele did the exact same thing in the first thirty minutes of us. The first thirty minutes of us is just you getting to know this family. You got right. okay, the goofy dad, you got the bratty kids, the you know, but you got yep. the mom that's holding it all together. And it's not just a, a black family, it's just a family. So then by the right. time when the shit hits the fan, you have, an, you're, uh, hopefully, that was the plan, you have an emotional right. investment into this family and you're cheering for them to make it out alive. But right. and there's sort of a path that they're right. taking here with this as well. And there is conflict within this family. And so, like, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing the seeds of that planted in Miss Marvel. It's, it's going to kind of come forward. We know it's going to come forward as part of this. Is, you know, particularly between Kamala and her mother. Like, that is a very strong central theme to this. And it's and it's very much a traditions versus breaking from traditions um, piece of it. And that is, that, is, that is true across cultures. It just is. So, it's hilarious that her mother literally had to break from her traditions because of how she was raised. Right. That's that is what is I again. I think that this is a terrific series. I think it's been really good. I would put it um, above. Actually, I'd put it above Moon Knight. Uh, in my opinion, I'd definitely put it above, above Hawkeye. Um, it's it's terrific. I really really enjoy. It. I think it's better than uh, you know um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, to be honest, there there's no tree gymnastics bag um, montage. So we're good. I mean, they, they, uh, Moon Knight is always going to be the, the butt naked last on the list of Marvel shows. They could come out with Aryan Man, and his, his arch nemesis could be Jim Crow, and I'm going to probably like that more than Moonlight. So, <laughs> all right, well, fair enough. Well, let's let's shift over to Kevin Feige, who, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cover both of these stories at the same time because I think that they intertwine together as Ray tries to pull himself uh, pull himself together. Um, Kevin Feige did an interview uh, where he said, and I quote, we will learn about the MCU's next big saga in the coming months. Along with that, we learned this week that Marvel, specifically Marvel Studios, is returning to San Diego Comic-Con in August. So I'm hearing some applause... That's a big deal. Well, hey, huh? for Dave. <laughs> is Dave is Dave going to Comic Con? Did he get did he get passes? No, he's, he's, a, he's a hell of a lot closer than all the people. Out of all of us. I, I mean, someday I want to someday I want to attend San Diego Comic Con. That is, you know, a bucket list sort of goal. Um, let's let's start with this. I, Kevin Feige's always teasing about the next big thing in the MCU, and. Speculation, I think, that, that came out of this group was that he's probably teasing something that's going to come about out of uh, Wakanda Forever, uh, the next, like, we haven't seen anything yet. I would assume that we're going to see something come July 9th 
or eighth, um, sorry, whenever whenever Thor Love and Thunder hits theaters. Like that'll be our first kind of true look. But maybe they save it for August. Uh, the, the, the kind of the true reveal and it doesn't come back until they're in Hall H because you know that if they're returning to Hall H at San Diego Comic Con you can't you can't half-ass that return emphatic nod from Ray Cash you're, you're smiling, you applauded why don't you, why don't you speak on that a little bit well, that's why I got excited because, I mean, I know we got Disney Investor Day and Disney Plus Day and Walt Disney's head is somewhere in Roy, what's his name's, Closet Day. But, like, this is what got Marvel back to Marvel was the anticipation of Hall H and bringing everybody out and giving us, like, giving us the cheat sheet. This is coming, this is coming, this is coming. That's what, it's, that's what happened. In fact, we're still living off the last Hall H when you brought uh, back Natalie Portman and you brought out of nowhere Mahershala Ali. And oh yeah, we got Mutants and Fantastic Four. That We're still living off of that. So on top of that, this is going to, forgive me for being a bit like exaggerative, but I don't think I am. This is going to save Comic-Con. Because with respect, Comic-Cons are always going to be huge, but they have dwindled massively since the pandemic for two not pandemic reasons, clearly, but also because there's always the big linchpin that people look forward to that brings the extra people, not the regular people. It's going to be ridiculous again now, which is good, only good for comics, only good for lesser-known authors and illustrators and creators. It's going to be good for everybody because there's going to be so many more people there who are going to be looking forward to Hall H, and we're probably going to see... We're up. We're gonna see who the who the Fantastic Four is gonna be. Bet money. We're gonna get the first introduction to whatever the mutants are gonna be. The world's gonna change again in August, so I'm hyped for that. And if you're a Marvel fan, you don't get hyped for Hall H. What are you doing? Well, I don't know. What are you doing, Tony? What are you doing? Just hanging out on bandwagon nerds right now. Um, Are you hyped for Hall H? Are you hyped for the return of Marvel Studios to San Diego Comic Con? I sure. Can't. <laughs> so he's not a Marvel guy. Now, if Graham, now if Graham Gustin was showing up at Hall H to take over the role of the Flash at the DC panel, dude, you'd be all over this. You'd be walking around like Mother's Milk at Hero Gasm. That's what you'd be doing. That's right. Platt, what about you? Are you stoked for the return of Marvel Studios to Hall H? And I do think, how good is this for San Diego Comic-Con? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm waiting for the trailer or the reveal of the X-Men. That's what I'm waiting on. Good for Comic-Con, though. Ray is absolutely, he hit the nail on the head there. You do need some sort of linchpin to not just get the regulars, but also get the other uh, casuals as well. And it's just another sign that we're starting to get back to normal, which, you know, on the broad spectrum of things, that's that's cool. I guess that's been happening, but and it's always cool to, you know, to look online and see what trailers come out and stuff like that. That's always kind of cool. It's kind of like um, the first day of free agency. Right. Yeah, that's I, a great example. You know, yes. I, I got to say, I do. I have mixed feelings 
honestly about the return of Marvel Studios to San Diego Comic Con. Not because I'm not going to love what happens. Like, I'm, I'm going to love whatever comes out of that. You guys know that. Like, I'll be totally just as hyped as anybody else. Um, but one of the things that had happened, and, and this is the curmudgeon in me, I'll, I'll own it. San Diego Comic Con for the last few years, last couple of years, has been about comic books, not about entertainment um, and movies. And, and if you look at pre-shutdown pandemic, because we're still in the pandemic, by the way, um, but pre-shutdown pandemic, we um, it, it, had, it had transformed into an inter, almost solely a film and television entertainment expo and comic book creators and artists were there but they were the forgotten part of comic con like nobody cares or nobody cared and so i worry that with the return of major studios to san diego comic con that that piece will be lost on some level because it won't be like you won't look through the schedule looking for Brian Michael Bendis and his panel on what he's drawing right now, we're looking to see what what trailers we're going to catch. And so I think it is both a good I think it is a very good thing for the bottom line of San Diego Comic-Con as as Platt pointed out and as you pointed out Ray, it will save them financially. For me, the old man comic book guy just knows that that like those panels aren't going to go away and I'm going to seek them out. I understand they're not what puts butts in the seats and puts eyeballs on the on the event, um, but I also know that that spotlight now goes away. Like there, there was a DC Comics panel that was like worth following at Comic Con because there was no DC EU panel, no Warner Brothers panel. There was no, um, there was no Disney panel. Um, those were all gone uh, for for a couple of years, and so, but. Yeah, sign me up for all the announcements. Sign me up for the Fantastic Four. Sign me up for the X-Men. Sign me up for uh, Thunderbolts. Sign me up for all that stuff. Like, I want to see it. I want to know. Absolutely. 1,000%. I'm with you. I'm with you, and I agree with you. But I think if you frame it in that it's just San Diego Comic-Con, because if this was happening at all of the major Comic-Cons, then, yeah, I get you. They're big. Well, but it's just the one. Well, but let's let's be real here. There's two Comic Cons that people talk about. Well, really? That are named San- Comic Con, yeah. Sure. Well no, I mean there's Comic Palooza and there's Comic Sure. There's and and those are still gonna exist and people are still gonna go to them and pay ten dollars to, to meet an artist and and all that and, but when it comes to like the convention culture, we look at two. We look at New York in the fall, we look at San Diego in the in the summer. We maybe look at Emerald Con um, when those come back, whether that's in Chicago, Seattle, and those those have kind of died off. But like, also we gotta we gotta understand like the Comic Cons, the major Comic Cons are all under like one giant corporate umbrella now too. So, I mean, capitalism, yay! Like it is what it is. Um, I want them to be events again. I do. I really want them to be events again. I just felt a little bit of nostalgia, and, and, you know, for for what San Diego was the last couple of years, and so who knows? Who knows if DC will will come back to San Diego, or whether they will stick with Fandom, which was not the same this second time around. It was smaller, still very impactful, but smaller. Uh, but 
uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. To, to the other point, which yep. is Feige is teasing, I know we're looking forward to Wakanda Forever for so many things. The introduction, supposedly, wink, wink, of Namor and all the other things. But we're sleeping on Thor Love and Thunder because if you've been watching, we've been introduced to a lot of, um, of the gods of certain cultures. You know, right. we knew about the Wakandan god Bast, but that was kind of eh. But Bast is was introduced a little more with Moon with Moon Knight, and there's another one I'm missing, but I know it's another one. But we're, oh, Asgard, Asgardians. But we're really going to get into it heavy in this, which I right. think could play into some of the future things. Yeah, I mean, you, you look you, to, to go back to Miss Marvel. You're getting introduced to gods out of Miss Marvel. Uh, on some level, you're oh, getting yeah, introduced. Yeah, yeah, you're getting introduced to. You, or you could argue the Eternals are on the level of gods. You've got the Olympians. Yep. You've got the Olympians. You've got. Um, you've got the Asgardians. It's we're, we're it's only getting bigger. Gods could be the next big thing, and we're sitting here looking at at Kang the Conqueror. Who knows? That's what makes all this shit exciting and fun. Erisham got to come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 not done. And I I think this is my stupid thought, but I think that Erishim, his guard dog, is Galactus. Might be. We don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. And that'll that'll probably get revealed a little bit more. Come late, you know, a couple weeks from now with Thor: Love and Thunder, and I think even more so when we get to Comic Con. All right. I shared this article because I just want to hear PC Tunney go off with me on this one. As in the works, it has been announced, and we're, we're not very far into this stage. We're getting a Game of Thrones sequel series following Jon Snow. Why can't we get the Game of Thrones series we all want, which is, Tunney, what one is it that we want? Five words. One question. What is west of Westeros? Yes. Duh. But no, we're going to get Jon Snow. Um, apparently, Kit Harrington pitched this uh, and got it approved by like the George R. R. Martin Brain Trust, which, you know, the guy can't write the damn books, but. He can go fuck himself, literally. I, I mean. I know you do. Uh, so we know the PC Tony won't be watching. Did either Ray Platt? You both muted yourself. So I'm gonna. Did, did did you watch Game of Thrones? Do you care about this? Is it right up there on lock and key for you? I watch the game all the time, and I've seen the throne or two before. Oh Jesus! Okay. You know my cousin was actually in the game. Patrick, just move on. Yeah, Jason okay. Pitts. Okay. Patrick, like seriously, go ahead. Yep. It bits. It bits. Yeah. There you go. You know, we were doing so well. We we were doing so well. We were doing so well. I got two sets of twin girls. They're doing great. I got to own that I asked for this business. This was my fault. I should have I should have let you stay muted. Maybe's father, who was my cousin as well, his name is Grady. He was an actor. Okay. And on that note, um... We will now move on to the next subject after muting Christopher Platt. Chris, 
Chris was insulted, then incensed, oh. then, and, and slightly impressed that you did him. He's like, respect. <laughs> you can yourself there, buddy. Yeah, I, I have no, I have no power here. I, I can. He, the first words out of his mouth after he figures out how to unmute himself. Uh, he'll get there. He'll find it. <laughs> anyway. I let's, you can be, again. Um, let's get into the last, let's get into the last uh, article, the last news bit. And, and, you know, everybody by this point certainly is aware that the Supreme Court, in a six to three decision, uh, overturned the 50 year legislation that has been known as Roe v. Wade, uh, basically determining that uh, a woman's right to an abortion was a right and protected under the federal government. Uh, and regardless of, of the opinions that were, you know, that have flown out there from folks who either have celebrated or feel completely alienated by this decision. You know, I can tell you myself personally, uh, I'm disgusted by this result. I, I'm really deflated in in the sense that there's just so many people whose lives are now impacted by this. If you think that there's nobody in your life that has, has had an abortion or experienced thinking about getting an abortion, then you lead a very sheltered life where people don't trust you to tell you that information because I guarantee you, someone in your life you are connected to in some way, shape, or form has either faced that decision, made that decision, um, or, or, or had that, you know, had to, had to live with that for years in silence because of the stigma that's attached to it. The other thing that's really concerning about this is that the, the decision does also call into question uh, your right to privacy, not just a person's right to privacy when they decide uh, whether or not to go forward with having an abortion, but could call into question your right to privacy for other things. And it's already laid out in Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion uh, when talking about things like gay marriage and some of these other what was believed to be settled legislation within the government. So we're, we can talk about the decision um, if you'd like. What I really wanted to get into, because this is an entertainment podcast, is and, and the article that I shared, what I wanted to go forward with was, in the wake of this announced decision, which we knew was coming months ago because of, of the leak out of the Supreme Court, we, we saw multiple companies and corporations step forward and offer support to the women that work for them in helping them get the medical care they need, even if that means funding travel to other states where it's legal. The Pentagon has said, that they will support their women in service to do this. For us, what I think was the most notable company to step forward and say that they're going to support the women that work for them was Disney. Disney, Netflix, Warner Brothers, all of them released statements saying that they are going to support women on some level in finding the care that they need. 
my question to this group, not only, you know, like, yay, right decisions. I think Disney's a huge deal because Disney done fucked up so hard on trans rights and, and, you know, LGBT, you know, workers with the whole don't say gay bill thing and the way that they, they sort of tried to play both sides. And that is a conservative company. Make no mistakes. They, they have given money to the people who helped make this decision possible. So for them to say this, now, will they stop funding those other folks? That would be a bigger statement to me, in my opinion. Stop paying their lobbyists. Uh, but will this bleed into studios and where they choose to make movies? Because we've heard them threaten this before. We've heard them threaten Georgia. We've heard them threaten Texas. But they don't really do it. So my question to you all is, is this going to be more talk outside of helping their workers get the care that they need? Platt, you're leaning in, so go for it. Yeah, man, I wanted to, yeah, first off, um, women's reproductive rights belong individually, and that's that on that. And if you find that statement controversial, DM me at the real C Platt, and I will invite you down here to the Kramer compound, and I will personally put my nuts in your mouth, you fucking small dick pissant. Now, back to the, the, the topic at hand here. Personally, I find this very fascinating because I, I live in said Georgia that you alluded to earlier, and there have been companies that have threatened to do that before. It's interesting to me because I've only been here for five years, and I've seen Atlanta almost turn into, like, uh, the L.A. of the West. There's a lot of movie studios here. Tyler Perry just built that huge complex here. A lot of things are filmed here in, in, in Georgia, specifically Atlanta. Atlanta. A lot of the Marvel stuff that you see was filmed in Atlanta. The last two Avengers were filmed in Atlanta. Just as example, like it's a, it, it's becoming a major player in the entertainment industry. And I'm interested to see what happens. Um, do I think that they'll follow through? I don't know. But if they do, that's going to be interesting because are we going to turn back to everything's just going to be New York and L.A. centric in this country, and especially in regards to, to uh, or are they going to take their business elsewhere, take it up to Canada or something like that? So I'm kind of watching this with an interesting eye because, you know, from a, a, a selfish standpoint, the, you know, the Georgia economy affects my personal economy and, you know, things that I have going on. So I would like to see them talk their walk or walk their talk rather. But I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I think at this point, man, it's too premature to even make any uh, predictions because I think everybody right now is still kind of, we're still kind of in the afterbirth of the decision itself. And we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Big sigh. First off, I'm tired. I'm just really fucking tired of. The, the, the world we live in, the country we live in, the, the, the way people can twist a fact or what's not a fact to make it affect them. I, I'm a pastor's son. I was raised in a church, like, quite literally. And even I know, even I believe, even my family believes that a woman's right to her body is her own fucking right. So the fact that we decided on a whim, 50 years later, to change what was accepted as concrete law just because we fucking can, 
and it's gonna it's only getting worse it's only gonna get worse you know if you can just the supreme court has no term limit so they're there until they until they're they're there until they die or they walk away not gonna walk away one party has openly said we're not gonna take any any we're not gonna take any justices that you nominate and put them on because we don't want to rock with you because we want the majority it's it's all fucked up it is what it is and it's gonna get worse i can go on for that for hours but that's not the point of this conversation to your question um the only and i'm this is this is coming from an ignorant place truly ignorant like in terms of i don't know but the only thing i can remember or group or company or whatever that i can remember that actually stood their ground with saying we're leaving because you guys believe in this was the nba moving the all-star game out of north carolina out of charlotte because major major league ba- major league baseball moved the All Star Game from Atlanta to Colorado. Okay, so yeah, so shout out to the sports leagues actually having some balls. I, you right. know, I, for the most part, you would think the only one that has some balls was the goddamn WNBA. They out here like literally fighting for equality while they're playing the games. Right. Um, but um, good for Disney, good for Warner Brothers, good for. Netflix, I think Sony was on there. Sony, yep. I'm glad you said it, but you know what? All them damn companies that also got a, a rainbow logo right now that ain't got nothing to say or nothing to do or don't give a shit. Disney got a logo right now, but wouldn't even put Love Victor on Disney Plus. They moved it to Hulu. You know what I'm saying? Or all right. Miss me with the talk. I don't. I'm so fucking sick of. And I'm on a podcast talking right now, so I know that I, I understand the irony. I'm so sick of the talk. Show me what you're going to do. Give me action. Prove to me what you're going to do right now. Because we just lost a certain level of health care to over 100 million people in this country. On a whim. On a random Thursday. Like, what well- are you doing with our lives? I don't. I don't care what you what, what statement you release, or you know how good your PR person wants to come out and say that. Right. Show me. Show and me. I and I and I agree with you. I think that that's really truly the next step. I, and I do think, and I will say this: I do think that providing means for their employees to get the treatment and the medical care they they need is an action. I think that is one action. I do not think it is the only action. Because I want to go back to what Platt pointed out. If you are a moviegoer or a television watcher, take the time to watch the credits of the film. And at the very, very end, you see all these different logos pop up. Whether it's Dolby for sound, whether it's Technicolor, whether it's the IMAX logo, but one of the other logos that you'll see pop up in a ton of films is a peach. And it says Georgia underneath it. Georgia... Do you want better? They do the jingle at the end of the broadcast, whatever it is. The main TV, yeah. Georgia. TV. They do it on the movies, right. some of the movies as well. Yeah. Jo- and, and here's the thing, and, and 
we're we're calling out Georgia, which is actually in a, in an interesting place as a state right now. As you look at um, Ms. Abrams running for governor, you look at just sort of the overall like that is a that that shit that state is trying to shift from at least red to purple. If if well, we can't get right, well, right, and, and if. And so Georgia, at the very least, has some leadership that is trying to affect real changes representative of its population. Um, gerrymandering makes that very, very difficult. That's the problem. It's our political animal is such that, that it makes it very difficult for a state to actually take change. But a company has to really look at itself and its board of directors need to look at itself and its soul and decide whether it's profits from filming someplace where it is cheap. Because that's why Georgia wins. It's because it is cheap. You get better breaks in Georgia than you do in L.A. and New York. If you listen to anybody who makes films, they will talk about how expensive it is to do New York, L.A., or Chicago as a shooting location. Atlanta gives a lot of benefits to these studios. And so if these studios... You have to hire all unions. Oh, yeah. it's That's a... Right. Same thing with same same thing same thing with same thing with Los Angeles. Is it's it is it's about working your way around different contracts and laws. And Georgia's are more relaxed. And what concerns me is we're going to make this this statement and show of support about how we're going to help our employees, but you really won't force the country to and specific states and their legislatures to look at their policy and how they are hurting people because you're still giving them your money when you go there to make a movie. You know what I mean? And so thing about power, Patrick. It is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sides of an argument, so it can't lose either way. Exactly. And that's always going to continue to happen. Like that's just what it is, you know? So I yeah, I'm pessimistic about a second step, you know, and right now you're seeing all these companies get a lot of a lot of positive publicity, you know, and it's not just entertainment companies. Dick Sporting Goods, their statement has been floating around the internet, um, right? Um, Take both sides of an argument, like I said. So, so it'll be. Yeah, you're damn right. Yeah. It, it it'll be interesting to see what else happens moving forward, if anything. Um, and what happens moving forward could be nothing else happening moving forward. Because, as, as you've alluded, Platt, money talks. And money is, is the basis of what these companies and corporations need to do. So I just thought of something hilarious. You know what would be hilarious if this happened and it would, people's heads would explode? And, and Sonny will get a kick out of this, too. What if the Saudi government stepped up and said, "Hey, Hollywood. oh Jesus!" <laughs> Would you be shocked? Would you be shocked? No. Right. So, like Victoria, and to to put a bow on this this conversation for for anyone who's listening and I, and I'm sorry if you you don't care about politics tough shit we're we're going to talk about it because it's relevant to this industry it's relevant to this podcast and it's relative to us as people and if you are angry and if you are somebody who's sitting here you know over the last 4 days by the time this podcast drops it is like you know somebody should do something 
fucking go do something. Fund a movement. Don't fund a political party. Do your research. Find a movement. Fund a movement. Go march. Go be an ally. Do the things that you're sitting there complaining about on Facebook or Twitter. Send a strongly worded DM to add it's me DPP. Whatever, whatever works. Sure. Little trick. And all of your elected officials, that means your, 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 your local politicians, your policemen, your sheriffs, your judges, they all have uh, uh, bonds on their licenses. So if you really that pissed off, why don't you get together, get you and about you know ten thousand of your closest friends, and, and put a lien on on all their licenses? You cut their money off and cut the money off and see what happens. Political activism is as much a force for change and actually doing something and being like you got you got to back yourself up and it, and it's and it's not just talking about it. It's actually taking some action and it's going to be dangerous it's going to be scary um people are going to get hurt you might get hurt uh, but if you really believe in helping those that are hurting you got to show it and you got to be there with them so all right on that note we're going to call uh this a wrap on a somber finish to bandwagon nerds before we get out of here though Let's do it once around. Tell everybody where... Oh, shoot. I did have one thing that I wanted to put out there. Month of July. I'm bringing something back to the bandwagon. If you all will recall, I surprised some of you, in the, I think all of you, in this group. Actually, I think it was this episode of Bandwagon Nerds. I think it was you four that I surprised you all with the first ever Bandwagon Nerds Fantasy Draft. It's July. Last year we drafted the greatest superhero teams of all time. This year... This year we are going to draft the greatest villain cabals of all time. We are going to give you our legions of dooms, our... God, I don't even know, the, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, you name it, we're going to come up with our Evil Mutant teams. Don't think it'll be next week, but maybe the week after. I haven't decided yet, but that is coming in July. Members of the bandwagon will be drafting their ultimate villain teams here on Bandwagon Nerds. Now, let's move around the room. Tell everybody where they can find you out there on the interwebs. I'm going to go counterclockwise this week and start with Mr. PC Tunney. Ah, uh, you can find me at PC Tunney on Twitter and Facebook. Please continue to listen to everything Chairshot Radio Network on all of your favorite streaming platforms and at thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to enjoy your day the Chairshot way by always using your head. Mr. Christopher Platt. You all can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. Uh, Patrick, thanks for having me. Great to see all you gentlemen again. You threw up the plat signal, and I was there to answer. I am you all's Billy Preston to your Beatles. And if you know, you know. Oh, I know. Mr. Ray Cash. Guitarist, you're the fourth guitarist to Green Day. <laughs> I'm the unofficial fifth member, you dick. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give you my Twitter. I'm going to tell you to go follow 
the national network of abortion funds at abortion funds. Do that. Don't follow me. Do that. Well said. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. On Mondays, it's Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesdays, it's usually Hockey Talk with David Ungar. This week, it'll be a 5x5 five five with myself and PC Tunney. And on Wednesday, it's me and Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales doing the Greg DeMarco Show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself up out of the basement and protest. That's all I'm going to say. Protest. Give a, give Fight. Because if you don't, nothing's going to happen and we're going to sit here and we're going to be facing this all over again as the things we value in this country slowly erode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Hero.co.